Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez here with my co-host Brad Binkley and our always favorite guest and election integrity activist Garland Favorito. Hey guys, how you doing? Good afternoon. Right. Doing fine. How about you? Good, thank you. I want the listeners and the viewers actually to vote on if they like us in the widescreen or if they like us face forward. I'm going to leave it here for a second and you guys vote. So, uh, boy, has a lot happened since the last time we got together. Yeah, we took a week uh, or two off there. Yes, but... but, but uh, I see you changed your name. <laughs> oh, my I, gosh. Thank you I didn't for even pointing notice that. that out. I didn't, yeah. I didn't notice that yeah. either. Yeah, that's new in the last two I guess two there's been a... Uh, she identifies as Ben. Yes, I guess I do for today. I wonder how I get rid of that. Is that your new pronoun or what? I, I you know what? It might be. See, this is what happens when everybody. You have to go out of the. You have to go out of the broadcast and then back in. I think. All right. Well, you guys it. can carry on without me. Well, some things remain the same. I have a, a propaganda report. Nice, nice. Hold on, standby. So, what's been going on, Garland? Oh, she's actually going to come in back in. She's okay. going to go out and come back in. Uh, well, so we've had a, uh, a busy, uh, week or two, um, since, uh, the judge has decided to blow us off and we are now into the appeal cycle. Um, so we'll, um, it's, uh, was kind of a rather, uh, I would call it a political decision versus a judicial decision. That's what it seemed like when I was reading about it. Tell us what happened with the judge blowing you off, dismissing the case, right? Yeah, so the judge uh, suddenly decided that um, that we didn't have what it calls a particularized injury, which is part of standing. So uh, in other words, um, if we didn't have that standing, I'm not sure why he uh, actually unsealed the ballots earlier. So uh, this was, you know, we, you don't normally go 10 months into a case and decide whether or not the petitioners have standing, particularly since they had all the sovereign immunity questions about who who's the right people to sue. So all the parties and everything were resolved months ago. And then he suddenly came up with this um, political ruling that says we didn't have a particularized injury, which means that... Um, we don't have a, we're not representing the case of voters. We're only representing one voter. And that's what the, he referenced a decision by the 11th Circuit that against Lynn Wood, who said that he, only, he was only representing himself and therefore he didn't have a particularized injury. We argued both in our brief and in our verbal arguments that we do have a particularized injury because there's two, there's two groups of voters, the groups that had their votes diluted by the ballot stuffing, and then the groups that had their votes strengthened by the ballot stuffing, whatever that ballot stuffing turns out to be once we get through discovery. So that is two groups. Um, the U.S. Supreme Court's already confirmed that uh, ballot stuffing is, in fact, um, a uh, an activity that you should be protected against, and you have constitutional rights um, to protect yourself against that. And your right to have your vote count protected or your vote count is equally open to protection as your right to put a ballot in the ballot box. So basically what the judge did was um, 
come up with this bizarre uh, ruling that uh, conflicts with the United States Supreme Court. So we'll appeal and we'll probably end up winning and then being back in his court. But the clock is still running. It's going to eat up a lot of time. And so that we, you know, that's, that prevents us from being able to see what happened so we can fix it in time for 2022. Yeah, they're kicking the can down the road a little bit further. And a couple of things that stand to stick out there is Linwood being a case that ultimately ends up hurting your case. We had talked about, we had, we had asked about him before about right. what his motives were. I don't know if that was intentional on his part, but it does seem like his actions have ultimately kind of gotten in the way a little bit. And I'm curious as to your thoughts on, do you, how, do you think that the judge might've been influenced by, oh, uh, what? I, I wanted to get a little bit more into the ruling because there's like a 14 page ruling. Okay. And um, just to respond to some of the things that Garland was just saying. So I'm reading what Amaro is saying, and he's saying that the issue of standing wasn't even brought up until August 12th. Did you notice that? That so my question is, I, from the very beginning in our earliest conversations, I said, well, you know, a lot of times they don't give you standing to just object to something that the government is doing um, as an individual. And I agree with you. Like if he was going to take that position, he might've gotten it out of the way immediately. But in the ruling from October 13th, he says that on August 12th, a motion to dismiss was filed by three of the respondents. And there was a hearing on that September 20th. The court finds that the petitioners, you have failed to allege a particularized injury. So was that the first time the issue of standing was brought up? And do you happen to know if there, if can't the judge himself just refuse, can't the court refuse to take the case based on standing alone? Well, yeah. One of the first things that the judge has to do is determine whether he has jurisdiction Right. And and whether um, you have standing. Right. Whether the case should even be there to begin with. So to go 10 months and then try to claim this is kind of is just absolutely bizarre. And OK, I see I see his point that maybe it wasn't raised uh, until August, uh, really, because there's no question about it. Uh, um, th there really wasn't any question about standing from the you know i mean we are voters and well, if, yes. if we yeah if we if we can't challenge ballot stuffing as a voter in georgia then that means anybody can stuff the ballot and there is nothing a single voter in the state of georgia can do about it it's an absurd um, position for a judge in superior court to take Right. And I would say, and there's a couple of other points. One is that he says, while you aren't normally allowed to use that issue uh, as an, you're not allowed to, there are other cases he cites, I think, including Wood, that says you can't use that issue um, to claim 
injury, particularly unless in certain cases like gerrymander, gerrymandering, where a, a particular group is disadvantaged. And that Why? seems like very tortured to me. Well, but let's assume that that's true. I mean, this is, again, we've argued that we are a group of voters who had their votes diluted by ballot stuffing. And uh, the other group of voters may have had their, their uh, votes strengthened by ballot stuffing. So that's a particularized injury that the United States Supreme Court has already recognized and Curling v. Raffensperger in U.S. District Court recognized essentially the same thing. It's a group of voters who are alleging that their constitutional rights have been violated. And I would say that you particularly were injured because wasn't it... I, you vote in Fulton County and your vote was not counted, correct? Well, that is exactly right. I have a very special injury because I voted for a write-in candidate, our constitutional party candidate, Don Blankenship. That's public record. Uh, and we know that ballot was cast and we know that ballot was not counted, nor was anybody else voting in Fulton County uh, who voted for uh, not only that write-in, but several other write-ins. Uh, none of those votes were counted so uh, how uh, I cannot have a, uh, an injury uh, is beyond me. Right. And, and he goes in to say that you would have to establish for that peculiarized in injury and have standing in this case three things. An injury in fact, which is what you're alleging. Uh, a causal connection between the conduct you're alleging and the injury you have suffered, which I think is very clearly there. Right. And, ballot, ballot stuffing caused the injury. That's right. Uh -huh. And that the injury could be redressed by a favorable decision for you by the court. Which right. And absolutely could be. Right. And that favorable decision would be a declarative judgment, which would uh, force the uh, counties and even maybe the state to take actions to prevent ballot stuffing from occurring again. He also acknowledges, I did not realize the bones that the experts had here, that one of the people who said that there was, uh, they thought there was reason to um, suspect fraud. One was a DARPA person who had, whose uh, credentials including work for DARPA, which is the defense research project. And a forensic accountant who also works with the federal mint on currency design. So, I mean, that's all about fraud. And the judge acknowledges that those people found reason to uh, look at the ballots more closely. Did you catch that? In his final ruling, he says that. And then at the end, he just wraps it up by saying, you just, you don't, individual voters. But I have to say, in law school, I did learn that that you couldn't just sue the government for injuring you as an individual. But in your case, you can, you're, you actually did not, your vote literally was not counted and you can prove that. I mean, to me, that's actually was the, is the rare case where you could prove a particularized in, in injury. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that we can also prove that other people who voted as I did in Fulton counties also votes were not counted. Right. Um, so it's a pretty, he's, he's on a pretty thin typewriter there. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would want to pursue is 
I mean, it just makes no sense. They asserted their objection to your having standing, but it seems to me that 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 yeah that that gets squared away with the jurisdictional question in the beginning. Right. I don't, I've never seen a case lag for ten months and then somebody right or that have, uh, it it would be something that needs to be asserted right before you start slugging it out. Yeah, and then the other thing is that if we didn't have the standing, uh, we wouldn't. He wouldn't have already ordered to unseal the ballots. Yeah, so exactly, exactly. That's what John Ayer says. Why would Judge Amaro unseal the ballots, let you view them at two hundred DPI, but not let you see them at six hundred? Uh, yeah, that's a very good question. That is the question. Okay, okay, Binkley. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to get the facts out there, and then we can try to to figure out the whys and the what fors. Yeah, my question is would is looking for an answer to what you guys were just talking about there is why would he do this after this period of time? And I wonder, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Garland, we've seen this idea of questioning the election, of questioning vaccines, of anybody associated with January 6th. We've seen this kind of start to get classified under a domestic terrorism brand by even the FBI, that they're starting to create this profile of a domestic terrorist, school board meetings and stuff like that. I'm wondering if the, the, the more public this idea by the FBI has come, has influenced the judge to not want to be associated with this election integrity for fear that he would be associated with this new idea of domestic terrorism. Uh, I, I don't think that's the case. I think that he just, we got some indications about four months ago that he wanted to uh, get rid of the case just for politically reasons. It's a hot potato and he doesn't want to, you know, he'll be up for re-election. He doesn't want to deal with a hot potato case. So so he, he gave the, right, he gave the, uh, uh, he basically invited the defense to, right. to, to, to submit that. To submit a motion to dismiss right. Based Even on, though they yes. had none. And at yeah. that point in time, we became concerned. That, that makes sense. That he was uh, attempting to get rid of the case. Because if he knew there was an issue of standing, maybe he just wanted them to bring it so that he didn't have to like come out of the gate looking like he was stuffing this thing down. And then when they never brought it he and he saw that it was actually going to get some loft then maybe he said, if you bring this, I, that that's the one I'll go for. Well, I don't think he, he knew that there was an issue of standing because there isn't one. Uh, so I, I think he was just looking for a way out and he invited a motion to dismiss to try to find some way to get out of, you know, letting us look at the ballots. I mean, the standing question definitely looks um, muddy, even in his decision. So the way he lays it out, I mean... He could have gone the other way with that for sure, but maybe he felt like he had some cover there. Maybe yeah. because of the Lynn Wood thing. Maybe Binkley's right. Maybe it's that Lynn Wood just has been going around. So we talked to a guy on a different legal issue, but he said what you want is you you need the presence to be set by a good lawyer working on your side because if if people representing interests similar to yours get out there and get precedent set in the wrong direction, lose cases like Linwood, yeah, that sets a precedent that other judges can kind of hide behind, even if 
they know they are flawed and you would have won having a better case. Right. But he violated the precedents that were set by the United States Supreme Court right. in 1915 and 1964. The U.S. v. Mosley case and the Reynolds v. Sims case explained that you as a voter have your, um, let me restate this correctly, your right to have your vote counted is as equally open to protection as your right to put a ballot in the ballot box. And that ballot stuffing is, uh, you are, you're entitled to be protected against ballot stuffing. So the precedent was set. It's been set twice by the United States Supreme Court. And uh, trying to reference the 11th Circuit ruling uh, which applied to Lynn Wood's uh, single voter case doesn't hold water in this case. Yeah, and it was very weird to me that he would be citing a couple of cases from 2021, the Sons of Confederate Veterans or whatever it's called. I forget what they're called. The Sons of the Confederacy and Lynn Wood are two cases he cites. And to me, I would think that this would be well-established law, not waiting on precedence to be set in, in very recent memory, not even having been one of them. Well, I don't know if they, where they were taking place, but you know what I'm saying? It seems like it would have been established long before 2021 if you had standing for this. Yeah, I forget the Sons of Confederate uh, Veterans case. Was that the one where people wanted to be able to see um, animals or something? Um, there were, uh, there was another. There was another. I have it case. here. It says that's the one that has mm -hmm. the 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 three requirements: an injury, in fact, a causal connection, and the likelihood it will be corrected. Um, yeah. Well, th those that's valid, I think. Um, and I think because we have all those three of those things, but there was another case they tried to use where uh, they said um, that it was people was they, where it couldn't they couldn't view. I don't know, animals at some uh, venue or something. Well, anyway, that's not your constitutional right. And we explained that, you know, we have a constitutional right to vote, have our vote count protected. Um, and uh, that's that's an issue. So I think we beat that one down. That yeah, was this another... is the Article 3 issue, they're mm -hmm. saying. That was another article. Okay. Yeah, very interesting. So, wow. Um... So he's up for re-election, you said, right, in twenty. 22, I guess. Uh, I I believe he will. I, I'm not sure if he's 2022 or not, but of course he will eventually uh, be up for election. And, um, you know, Henry County is, has moved uh, a little bit more towards from Republican to Democrat in the last election, if you believe the election results. So, uh, which are in themselves questionable. So anyway, so now on to the appeal of this ruling by Amaro. What's what's the what are you doing there? Like what your arguments? Can you recap your arguments and tell us the timeline on that? Well, we have to appeal within 30 days. So we'll, you'll see our appeal will be out within the next two weeks. Um, so we'll have to put that together. We're still there's still quite a few grounds. Uh, that we can appeal on. So, and we'll appeal on multiple grounds. And who hears uh, the appeal? Who do you appeal uh, to? That'll go to the Georgia Court of Appeals. And then they will, if overturned, they will kick it back to Judge Amaro. Um, 
And I think that if that happens, you know, he'll be a completely different judge. And the reason I say that is because we went through this five years ago with the ballot access case. So I don't. I think you might remember this one, Monica. Um, but the we joined Constitution Party joined with the Green Party to reduce the petition requirements uh, to get on the ballot for the U.S. Uh, presidential race. And uh, we uh, filed in the um, U.S. District Court. I didn't think it was that good a case, to be honest with you. And and we got blown out. So I've kind of, I've kind of saying, well, I told you so. And you know the the you know Green Party and and uh, and us, you know, we our chairman Ricardo said, well, we can appeal this to the Eleventh Circuit. And the Green Party thought that was a good idea. I said, oh, well, you know, we don't have anything to lose. We had anything to lose again on it. So we appealed it to the 11th Circuit. And the 11th Circuit kicked the case back to the same U.S. District Court judge. And then that very same judge that blew us off gave us a landmark favorable ruling that reduced the petitioning requirements by 85% in the state of Georgia for the U.S. presidential race. So much to my uh, surprise. Uh, so uh, that was, a, you know, a great victory for us. And then that case was used as for the recent precedent that the Libertarian Party uh, just succeeded in uh, Cohen v. Raffensperger in getting all petition requirements reduced by 80 percent, from 5 percent of the registered voters to 1 percent. Um, and then that, as soon as they did that, the Brad Raffensperger and Chris Carr turned around and appealed that ruling. Uh, putting themselves uh, on record and, and the state against the freedom of choice for voters. So the crazy stuff uh, that is still going on. And they even claimed that it was um, the Secretary of State, it was an emergency. They filed an emergency appeal. The Secretary of State would be irreparably harmed by the reduction in petition requirements. So you would just simply the candidates would have less petitions that they would have to gather to get their name on a ballot, hundreds instead of tens of thousands. So, uh, it, you know, is these absurd false arguments are being made by both Brad Raffensperger and especially the Attorney General Chris Carr and his assistant Charlene McGowan, who's also well, in that case. Reading this ruling, I mean, I was halfway through it. I was convinced that there was like clear fraud, that it was clear by these um, expert witnesses that there was something to find. And that's why it had to be a standing ruling because there was, I, th I think he was hoping that it, that the case itself wouldn't really find anything. He probably thought it wasn't going to get as far as it got the judge because those experts, I mean, agreed with you You and your affidavits, it seemed like. Well, right. Um, and what we haven't put on yet is our our witnesses. Our, our, you know, we were prepared to put our witnesses on on November 15th. Right, right. November 15th. And they would have uh, exposed the defense attorney for lying. And they would have exposed that the inspector general's report is, is not true either. So, um, um, ironically, we now have false um, evidence, or it's not really even evidence, but there's 
you know, false comments and stuff in the record right now. So right. um, that, that's disturbing to me. Can I um, start putting some questions up? And then I want to talk about the Dominion case after that. Binkley, sure. can I put you up here and I'll go down there and you guys can do the questions if I pull them up? Is that okay? Sure. Mm -hmm. Standing by. Cops are coming. I hear them. Yeah. What's the going background. on there? I'm the not sure. They're coming to get one of the three of us. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> Roll Dropbox footage. Isn't there? What does that mean, Garland? Um. So I uh, could mean several different things. I'm not really sure. Um, uh, um, the Dropbox, um, you know, of course, there's a lot. There's a lot of new stuff coming out in the Dropboxes with True the Vote, and they've been doing a lot of geo tracking. Uh, they have found uh, these ballot harvesting teams going around dumping balances in uh, what they appears to be evidence of them dumping balances in ballot boxes. Uh, so uh, we certainly should roll the footage and see what, we, what we've got there. And we're, we're trying to look at that um, and narrow down the, the specific footage that we need because their cost that, you know, the counties want $15,000 to the videotapes and they want to take months to give it to us, which is an election was already coming up on a year. I do so, but it's something that needs to be done. MP says, "What's up with the GBI leak?" I think that's what we were uh, just talking about. The GBI, uh, Trevo turned that information over to the GBI. The GBI chose not to investigate the ballot potential of ballot harvesting teams, uh, and, which I, I thought was absurd and. Uh, well, of course, you know, they probably, even if they investigated, would have covered it up anyway. So I don't, maybe it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, but the uh, GBI then leaked information to the media, which I thought was extremely bizarre behavior by the GBI. So um, it just indicates that how corrupt they really are. That's what we did an interview earlier this week. And the John Lott. Monica, and he was talking about how the FBI would leak, I think, information to the media in order to, to push a political agenda. It seems like that's just standard practice for some of these organizations. Lacey said to weaponize the media anyway. Lacey says, why do you think he unsealed the ballots in the beginning? Yeah, so you're getting to the point uh, where, you know, Brad, just a comment on that before we go here. It, it, yes, you've got the judge and the GBI you, making political moves not investigatory moves, not judicial moves, but their political moves to use the media because they, knew, they know the media has a corrupt agenda, uh, an anti-election agenda, anti-transparency agenda, anti-election integrity agenda, anti-American agenda, uh, and they, they're using that uh, to, to their advantage to, to cover up stuff. Um, Garland, we're really on the same wavelength when you start talking about the media that way. It's a man who speaks to my own heart. Oh, that, that, I tell you, they're the most dangerous. I think they're more dangerous than than the, the Secretary of State and the judges and, and everybody else, the election and, officials. 
Lot was saying how partisan it's become. Well, yeah, I mean, they have an agenda. It's not, they, they're just totally trying to cram uh, what uh, appears to be, well, it's an anti-American agenda down the throats of Americans. And, and But I, I was thinking, sorry, of the FBI stuff. He was saying that um, they were like, well, we're Democrats now or something like that, like really weird stuff. And uh, I was wondering, Binkley had a, a thought that maybe, you know, maybe the, it, it just started feeling too partisan, the case. Oh, okay. Well, you mean this this case? Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, see, I was wondering if the judge. So you spoke at the Trump rally, and more and more attention has come to it. And as the media talked more and more about it, I was wondering if the judge kind of was getting pressure from people to not not get him self smeared with that Trump brush, so to speak. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's that's probably possible, but I, I just think he just wanted to get rid of the case. I don't know that. Yeah. I just think that the case, you know, going through the inspection, everything, it's going to be news. He's going to, you know, the case is going to be on the news every day. Mm -hmm. And I think that he was just trying to avoid the publicity and yeah. becoming high profile. I think that was more more of it than just, you know, whether it's partisan or not. Yeah. And I think the media, as you were talking about a moment ago, can play a role in that by putting attention on certain things and trying to demonize them to try and put pressure on judges and on other people to maybe not want to embrace something that they should embrace when it, for the pursuit of justice anyway, for fear of losing an election that's coming up whenever his next round of election is. Right, right. And that's why I say I think it's political. Um, yeah. So, okay, so Lacey's question was, why right. do you think he unsealed the ballots in the beginning? Because he knew we had standing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that, it's that simple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, All he, right. he, he knew. He, so he's making this whole this issue of standing. He's making this up. You know what bothers me reading about it is the whole narrative again where they shift it to, well, no evidence was found of anything. They didn't find any evidence again when they didn't really look at the substance. They didn't look at the substance because they didn't let you look at the substance. All right. Because, yeah, they do that and they talk in the yeah. media. All the cases have been dismissed and there's no evidence of any voter fraud, of widespread voter fraud that's been found when all of the cases are dismissed on some weird workaround like this, some weird standing issue. And it's never actually an investigation of what was going on, because when you have investigated what was going on, you have found issues and they don't want you to continue finding those issues. All right. Let's see what else we have. Uh did you guys catch this one yet? No. Cat says he might want to hedge his bets on he might want to hedge his bets the other way if voters learn that he ruled this way with the last set of votes. I guess she's saying he's running for election and either he's maybe in the beginning he thought he should be more Republican leaning oh, right. and now it's starting to look the opposite. You know, that's interesting because you said he was in Henry County, which was did lean right. And if you believe the vote does lean left, there could be fear by some of these elected officials that the vote is just so rigged that that it could be rigged against them if they don't go the way that they've been led to believe that they're supposed to go. And he might even believe Henry County is more right leaning, but know that it can be controlled in a way that it goes the other way, you know, if he doesn't do the right thing. Yeah, so that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. UD says standing is clear in this case. They win. They will win an appeal. I uh, 
I can't argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, <a> good, <laughs> That's yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. Will yeah. private security still be watching the ballots in the meantime? Yes. Yeah, as, as far as I know, uh, the attorney for the other two plant petitioners has uh, been able to uh, afford to retain independent security and they'll stay on those ballots. So yes. And that's, uh, uh, that's a great thing that he's done. I think. MPMP says the attorney lied to judge about investigation ground one. Yeah. Big time. Uh, he did lie. Now, unfortunately, this, we think, I don't know if we talked about this last time. Maybe we didn't. We did. uh, um, the, when you go into court, you uh, take an oath and, and you swear to uh, tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth under penalty of perjury. A judge, uh, I'm sorry, a, an attorney can walk into court, make up any lie that they want and tell it to the judge because it's not evidence. It's not considered evidence. So we saw that happened uh, in, with the uh, defense attorney and um uh, yeah, and yes, he, he did lie. He kept saying that there was a GBI investigation five or six times. The report came out and there was no GBI investigation. They cleverly danced around that, but there's no GBI investigation of the counterfeit ballot claim. Richie Boy says Amiro took extra steps to drag out and run out the clock. Yeah, would have, it would have been better if he just made that ruling right off the bat. It would have been yeah. back in his court already. Heather Mullins of Real America News, Real America Voice News reported on the ballot stuffing and who is investigating it. Yeah, Heather's been covering um, Georgia and everything we've been doing. Just She's just been wonderful. George says, Garland, why don't you get behind Candace Taylor and fight for the grand jury? You don't have to prove voter fraud to decertify the 2020 election. You can easily prove malpractice, maladministration. So this is a great question. I'm glad George asked this question. So first of all, uh, we have been working closely with Candace. Uh, in fact, I think I was the one maybe who turned her on to the grand jury. Uh, we've been working with Judge Nally on this. He's a, the leading expert in the grand jury um, for uh, in the whole state. And, you know, Judge Nally and I have been friends for over a decade, and we've been working uh, on getting evidence to the grand jury. That's our best avenue because we don't have to deal with district attorneys, U.S. attorney, um, GBI, or anybody else who might cover up the evidence. So um, what we have, we have a civil case. And what we're trying to do is collect as much civil evidence as we can and the grand jury, of course, is for criminal indictments, but they will be able to use our evidence to determine whether or not people should be uh, uh, criminally indicted. And the best way to do that is for uh, anyone who has evidence from a civil trial is to take their evidence directly to the grand jury uh, with their own attorneys. Uh, the problem is in Georgia and other states, the district attorneys try to block the citizens from giving their evidence to a grand jury so that they can cover up for government officials. And the, the you know, district attorneys are notorious for, for doing this. It's just absolutely a disgrace. But you as, a, as a, um, a citizen have a constitutional right to go to the grand jury. You have a First Amendment right to petition 
uh, for redress of grievance, grievances, that includes a presentment to a grand jury. If you found, if you found that there's evidence of, of criminal activity, you should be able to take that evidence directly to a grand jury with or without your own attorney, and the grand jury should be able to say whether or not that is what they call a true bill or a no bill. So a true bill is when they indict the individual, uh, and then the, the individual then stands trial, and they gets all the benefits of uh, being innocent until proven guilty, just like anyone else did. Uh, but that's the way the system should work. So we're all about doing that very thing. Uh, it's a really important part in order to get any kind of accountability um, out of what happened. All right. John says, what good does keep voting records for 22 to 24 months after an election if we the people aren't allowed to view them? I know. It's all a facade, isn't it? It really is. Let Garland speak about the corruption, says UD. <laughs> well, I'm kind of doing that, I think. <laughs> MPMP says, what about bringing a class action lawsuit? Well, the question would be, what would be the grounds of that? I, I don't know. I mean, essentially, we have a class action lawsuit now. We have a class of voters whose votes were uh, diluted by ballot stuffing. Yeah, you could probably um, get millions of of people to join that lawsuit then what yeah. would they say I, I, they would probably say the same thing i don't know what they would say. i mean well, i think I, the answer for yeah. the standing thing i mean it looks to me that it's like in amaro's ruling about the gerrymandering the gerrymandering says if you prefer one group over another maybe it's supposed to be a group that's not i mean of course gerrymandering is about politics even if it's about race it's about politics it's about mm -hmm. partisanship and if that's what it is if they're disenfranchising voters who vote for one party over another, then that is that is the same thing. Right. And once we see the ballots, we'll know which party was disenfranchised. You know? And who knows? Maybe they were all uh, voted for the Republicans, you know? Maybe. So, uh, yeah. uh, and it, whatever the case is, it's still ballot stuffing one but way or the other. You know, because it's Fulton, which is clearly Democrat, right? Or it's, I mean, I guess rapidly right. Republican, but Fulton is Democrat. Correct. And I would say, that you could say as Republicans in Fulton County, like, I think it go, I think it actually does go to the, I think it pertains to the gerrymandering cases, you know, because it's about, it's about being abused for your politics in the locality. And the only recourse then would be to sue and people have been given standing to sue for that. Like, yeah. I mean, I'd have to like really look at those cases to think why he would put those brand new cases in there when it looks like it's well established. I mean, it's uh, the more you look at it, the funnier it seems. It, it, right, right. It makes no no sense whatsoever. I just, um, uh, I don't know, I get upset with just even thinking about and how ridiculous I know. The, the, when the, I saw the, that the come is. across, it made me sick. And I just, when I saw the AJC article that said the judge rules on standing, I was like, standing? It's October. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Well, the first time I heard I heard it, somebody's texted me, and uh, I thought it was fake news. I really did. I was I, sick. So did I. I, yeah. I, I, thought I, I, I texted back, no, that's fake news. And then she, she texted me the actual order. I said, well, well, maybe I better look at this. And that's when I realized, oh, no, that's that's the real thing. Excuse me. And the God, AJ, I, yeah, guess. As I say, I have a, tw I have a qu question somebody sent me on Twitter. I, I'm not sure what this means 
maybe maybe you can shed some light on it. See, this is from Melissa. She says, "Tell Garland that Marilyn Marks said her suit has already made stake to view the ballots in her Curling versus Raffensburger case, but she said she only intends to look at them conservatively and only if it can back up the merits of her case." Do you know anything about that? Made stake. Um, yeah, that? I don't know if that was a mistype, but it says made stake to view or made maybe made standing. I, I'm not sure what the w- the lawsuit with Marilyn Marks and Raffensperger. I, I think she was making the point that, that she said she was only going to look at the ballots if it backs up the merits of the case. Well, the the curling v. Raffensperger case is what they're referring to, um, and. Uh, uh, you know, Maryland's one of the plaintiffs in that. And our uh, co-founder, Ricardo Davis, is also a, a plaintiff in that matter. So they are they they sued uh, just to give uh, everybody a little bit of background. On this they sued and successfully got the old machines banned from the state of Georgia uh, under grounds that they were unconstitutional for being not being verifiable, auditable or recount capable or transparent. And those are the same arguments I made 17 years before that in 2002. So the U.S. District Court basically confirmed what I told Secretary of State's office and the assistant evaluators 17 years earlier. So that was a, a great ruling. Now they, uh, there's two sets of plans in that case as well. They have come back and said, wait a minute. The, the state went out and bought new systems, and they're equally as unverifiable as the old one, and they need to go. So that that case is sitting before the judge right now. Um, And as a result of that, they have gotten images out of a couple of counties that they have sued. And I can't remember exactly which ones are on the lawsuit, but I think Cobb and Fulton are on there. We have gone out in the meantime uh, and gotten ballot images from uh, or attempted to get ballot images from all 159 counties. And we want to see what they show. So we've got uh, have some interesting responses, and we're going to in the next hopefully two weeks or so be able to have a press conference to explain what we found out from the at least initial our initial findings from getting the ballot images from all 159 counties, which. Um, we filed open records requests we get as a as a result of we lobbied to get ballot images public record in in senate bill 202 so uh that just was signed into law march 25th of this year so as a result that's when we started our collection we started our analysis and we've got some interesting results to report so it was retroactive uh no well um, it applied to the ballots from a previous election well, ballot, that's a good question. Ballot images are election records. The right. counties. So uh, you got, pre, the, so this was March, 2021, and you got access to pre, the, the records of previous elections. Right. Because ballot images are election records mm-hmm. and they are required to be retained for right. 22 to 24 months as wow. one of the uh, chatters has pointed out. So, however, they were required to be retained. We weren't allowed to look at them. But as of March 25th, ballot images are now uh, 
declared public records. Therefore, that opened the door for us to go back and get the ones that were originally uh, uh, unavailable to us. Reno says, are you working with state legislatures to make sure these types of errors won't happen in the future? Well, yes, we are trying to, uh, we're going to have to have more um, legislation for sure. And yes, we're going to be working on that. But right now, physical ballots are still sealed. And anybody who wants to see some because they're corrupt or whatever, they're counterfeit, they found counterfeit, they have to uh, go through what we do with a lawsuit. So um, we're going to try to make ballots and server images um, public records if we if we can. That would be a couple of our legislative uh, agenda items for next session, but that would not be the only ones. Karen says, so did I think it was fake news. Unbelievable. I agree. <laughs> Completely agree with that comment. All right. And it was, oh, okay, here we go. Uh, Deacon Frost 7 says, we already have enough to turn the election. Well, I guess you're talking about counterfeit ballots. I don't you know. You know that's, it's a distinct possibility if we can see them. That's well to when we'll know how many we have. Mike says, can you elaborate on where the grand jury process is standing? Yeah, so, I mean, we've got several different options of trying to get evidence to a grand jury. And uh, we our, our objective is just to have evidence ready and that we can be presented if, in the event that we have an opportunity to go directly to a grand jury. Um, that's what we're hoping to have. So um, we... Uh, uh, it, we, you know, there, there, we're still having trouble, you know, being blocked by district attorneys. So we're trying to, we're, there's, oh, we're trying every different kind of way to circumvent that. That's not something that we're, I'm specifically working on, but that's a, there's a whole other team of folks working on that. All right, Lacey says. So how the appeals court, and so how the appeals court in Georgia will they rule fairly? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, Lacey, and I, I don't know. We're just going to have to uh, find out. A lot of times, because you have a three-person uh, ju uh, judicial panel that's not so intimately involved in, in a given case, and they typically uh, don't have to worry about an upcoming election so much as this you know, current judge, they tend to be a little bit more likely to rule according to the law instead of according to politics so so i yeah. think we have a we have a better chance with them uh so we'll just have to see i also think that there's a better chance because i think that they don't want this issue to go away completely because i think the closer and closer we get to 2024 this is going to be a primary talking point of the campaign especially on trump's side if he runs and if this is put to bed, then they won't be able to keep it fresh in people's minds and use it to to uh, paint one side or the other either way. And so I think they want this issue there for the reason of divisiveness, which can be a good thing. It gives you time, I believe. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Brad, because this is what it's all about. When you have transparency, 
then, and everybody can see the balance, whether or not they're counterfeit, how many they were, how they got there, uh, whatever the results are, maybe there were none. Then everyone can agree on who won. And, uh, but as long as you hide the ballots, you can keep facilitating the, devices, the divisiveness that's destroying this country. They've been weaponizing that. It used to be they tried to get harmony. They said, well, cut, uh, um, elections have consequences and blah, blah, blah. And I think, I don't know, I think they saw in 2000 how much more they could get out of disharmony. So democracy has that thing where everybody kind of thinks that, well, this is what my neighbors voted for. I'm going to go for it. But then in 2000 with the hanging Chad, 2004 with the Diebold voting machines, 2008 with the um, Kenyan birth or Acorn or whatever, 2012, it was again the Kenyan birth thing. 2016, it was it was the Russian collusion thing. Or it would have been, if Hillary had won, it would have been illegal voters. If Ted Cruz had won, it would have been that he was Canadian. I think that they have really flourished with using the uh, disputed elections as a way to just keep us at each other's throats so we don't see what they, big T, they are doing to us. So they, I think you guys are right that, that, that they're keeping this alive on purpose. Yes. The whole idea is that you can uh, divide the people, keep them arguing amongst themselves while you steal their freedom. It happens in every mm -hmm. issue. Absolutely. Deacon Frost 7 says the right ends in different batches are evidence that those same batches are counted multiple times. Yes. And the right ends and also, um, you know, you have curly cues, squiggly marks, weird, different little marks. You see those in one batch. Oh, and then you see the exact same ballot over another batch. We found several hundred ballots that were in fact duplicately scanned. And that's what we announced uh, back it's, on. The, that's in Amaro's ruling. Amaro's ruling right now well, that 14 page ruling that denies you standing writes that right that is that what's crazy all that yeah that they admit that they admit this of batches and yet I mean, they still do amazing. it yeah. and all this fact checks do it too they admit this stuff has been found and then they say oh, that was an accident it was somebody got and fired it's, it's why you have to have hand marked ballots also that's critical exactly exactly thank you Deacon Frost. I learned from you. <laughs> I think a lot of us have learned from yes, you. Yes, that's true. <laughs> what that's about uh, the 28,000 missing images? What about the 280,000 missing images? Uh, I, so I know that there are uh, probably 280,000 missing images in Arizona. I'm not aware of 280,000 missing in Georgia. Um, so I'm going to have to get clarification as to what county that is. Um, so, so far we have found missing images, uh, but we haven't found it to that extent, that number. Cat Duckness says, but also those guys were busted for shredding apps for the upcoming year. So why didn't everyone think, oh, wait, if they're doing that now, um, what's up? Yeah. Count the last ones now. It's amazing that that Raffensperger quote is like Fulton County has been caught one too many times doing funny business. Did you see that quote he made about these shredded applications? Yes. 
Yes, but but he also said and to the, told the Wall Street Journal this was the safest and most secure election in Georgia right. history yeah. back in December. Yeah. Well, he did write that in book Integrity, right? So Yeah, integrity counts. Because of fraud. Which is why he needs to <laughs> step down. Absolutely. Margaret says, do you think part of the problem could be that Harrison Deal was blown up and then the investigator just happened to commit suicide? Well, so, <laughs> whoa, this is getting heavy. Uh, <laughs> right, so, yeah. uh, Harrison, Sorry, I know. Yeah, I maybe shouldn't put that up because let's, it's, it's speculative, but boy, that was a crazy situation. Well, well let's let's recap the, the facts on that that we know. I, I don't know too many facts, but other than the fact that he was going to, uh, pool, it was in Pooler, Georgia, uh, working for Kelly Loeffler, going to a Mike Pence event. He uh, allegedly, apparently got hit from behind by a truck, an 18-wheeler. Flames exploded 100 feet in the air. Uh, he was killed in the auto accident. And then the GBI investigator was found dead in his house or apartment. Um, uh, within uh, two weeks of, of that. And I forgot the GBI investigator's name. Um, but like in this case, O'Sullivan, maybe? Yeah, James O'Sullivan, I believe was his name. Well, wow, that's a good memory. So that's that's the extent of what I know about that case. Of course, Harrison Deal was the boyfriend of Brian Kemp's daughter. And right after that, Brian Kemp um, uh, basically you know, we never heard a word peep out of him about calling a special session after that. He was under pressure before that. Uh, I, I do know they charged the um, truck driver with vehicular homicide, but I don't know how flames would have shot 100 feet in the air uh, if there was no explosion. And the, you can see that on video and it's, it's just uh, stunning right. to say the least. So that's all I know. Y'all might have some more facts on it. So. No, I don't think anything ever came out. It's just that was such a crazy story and people were speculating about it early on. And I just I waited to kind of it just seemed so out of a political thriller. But then it was fishy. And then when the GBI guy turned up dead like that was really crazy. I think they said he committed suicide, which was totally implausible to me just looking into his background. I, so I, I've hesitated to to bring this up because I, I don't ever want to throw something into a conspiratorial mix that might not be associated. But the more I find out about him, the more it is. There's a lot of questions I have about Brad Raffensperger. Did you know that his, he lost his son in 2018? I did. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I don't know what, what, if that, maybe that's just ha completely unrelated. Accidental overdose, right? I think so. I think it was fentanyl, if I remember correctly. And that it's just so many strange things. I mean, and that stuff obviously does happen, but, there's so That's many strange things That's around these people that there's so many questions about them. It's just, they're not trustworthy and, and they're all seem to come from some weird grooming place where they get put in these positions where when these critical moments happen, they're able to cover things up for whatever reason they're doing it. I don't know whether they're compromised or they're all in. It's just, it's well, every time. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, without going too deep, I mean, Brad has a, um, uh, history, uh, you know, he was actually came from Canada, mm -hmm. um, and he did uh, declare bankruptcy back in the early two thousands. Um, so, uh, but apparently he has millions of dollars now. So, and he, li he literally bought the Secretary of State's race 
Wow. Uh, to get elected. Yeah. So. Have you seen the number of companies he has incorporated? It, 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 they all. I've been doing some investigation to some of these. They all appear to me to be shell front organizations. I, I'm having a hard time finding any of them that actually do anything, really. I know there's a couple where they talk about construction business and all, and you're right, he came from Canada, and you find really no record of his life before Georgia. And you can find you, everything that you can really learn about him. I know I've mentioned this before. You really learn from his mother's obituary and the research you can do based on that. And I know that he used to live in Virginia before he came here. It's just, he seems to me to be an operative, absolutely. Um that's just my thoughts on that. Sorry. I well, wasn't. yeah, it is strange. I mean, most people have a clearly defined the background from the time they're born till the time you know, yeah. of the present. And uh, you know, he doesn't have that. So it is uh, strange that, you know, that, that rat burger China, John says on the comment there, there are some some strange connections there. There's no doubt some uh, smoke to be to be looked into. Mm -hmm. So as we. As we wind up, can you give us a um, an update on the Dominion case? Oh, sure. Okay, so August 24th, we filed the uh, lawsuit to ban the Dominion uh, Democracy Suite 5.5 system from the state of Georgia on the grounds that it's unverifiable to the voter because it accumulates votes in the QR code, which you, the voter, cannot verify or read. Um, so that case... Uh, is uh, we're actually working on our response on Monday. We uh, submitted the case there. We got a response. It's a very weak, you know, a motion to dismiss. It's a very weak motion. We will respond to that in the next couple of days and get our response back out. Uh, but the case, their, their motion and the original case complaint we filed are up on VoterGA.org legal tab. And we're basing, the argument is that based, that the uh, system is illegal because the two, there's two statutes. One of them says that it is a, uh, requires to have a human readable text and it requires a, uh, a lecture verifiable ballot. So this, the system doesn't meet any one of those two and that's not Garland Favorito of OJ talking, the U.S. District Court has already concluded that after looking at probably the most comprehensive set of evidence ever in a Georgia election case, Judge Totenberg made two rulings, uh, scathing rulings. The first one in 2019, uh, it says that the Secretary of State's office is, quote, not credible. The second one said that the system violates Georgia law, and both of those uh, orders and that she made are up on the homepage of voterj.org. So anybody can go take a look at it and I encourage you to do that. All right. Monica, I love your shirt. Looks like you have oh, a new shirt on. Oh, thank you. I know. I like How that too. Like it? Thank In fact, you. I like to have to put my hat <laughs> on there. I have the hat too, but I couldn't put it on over my <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of hard to get that on because I should have put it on underneath my well, if I had That's earbuds that. handy, it's I could It's the new wear Voter it. GA gear for those who are only listening to this. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. I forgot people just listen. It's really, really nice. So, I love it. Uh, yeah, Binkley, you have to put your request in for what color hat do you want? <laughs> right. We have, red, we have red, white, and blue. You want MAGA red or Stacey Abrams blue? Oh, right. Yeah. Wow, that's a tough choice. We did, uh, Trump was talking well, about Stacey Abrams before, you know, and Kemp and 
So well, maybe, yeah, he was talking about supporting Stacey Abrams. I know, I'd, be, I'd love to see that rally. You know, Trump and yeah. Stacey Abrams coming out, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> he would have hated the show we did when they were running against each other, and all three of us threw them both under the bus. Yeah, yes, that was yeah. that was enjoyable. I was one of our better shows for the record, man. We've got we are on the record, and it was that, we definitely. Yeah freak people out who didn't understand what it was like not to pick a side. I think that was the show where we were in the same show, two hour period. We were called Nazis <laughs> and then communists, the communists in yes, the same exactly. two hour period. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, that is a place to end until we meet again, more updates and we want to hear about the amendments. So, or the appeal. So when you get that in, let's circle up and then you can tell us the details. Yeah, next week we should have some more That's information good. to share. Right on. Thank you. We missed you. Thank you for the gear. And uh, I was pretty stunned by this setback, but nevertheless, Garland persisted. Well, you and I were both stunned. I was quite surprised myself uh, and pretty disappointed. I just, uh, I just thought it was disgusting. Uh, I felt yeah. sick. It, it's you know? so obviously wrong. Uh, that it's just it's just really disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it was just amazing that he I went through all the reasons why it was a valid case that that should result in a an examination, a further examination of the ballots. And he's like, "But hey, yeah, uh, just like a fact check on Snopes, it shouldn't crazy. even be here." Yeah, it's it was definitely very very fishy, very fishy. Okay, until next time. Thank you so much, guys, and thanks everybody for listening. This is Monica Perez, Brad Binkley, Garland Favrito. You're listening to the Propaganda Report. Talk to y'all later. Okay, bye-bye.